calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Welcome to Bitches on Comics. I'm your host, Essie Fleenor. And I am your other host, Sarah Century, and we are back again with our friends, the good, the bad, and the basic. Welcome. Woo-hoo-hoo. Hi, everyone. <laughs> this is M. Hey, y'all. What's up? This is Alex. Yay. <laughs> Yay. They host our very favorite podcast. Well, you know, very favorite is a, a category, but they're certainly in there. And uh, what we love about GBB is they're constantly going back and looking at different TV shows and films on their Patreon and talking about what makes them good, what makes them bad, and what makes them basic. My favorite part, I have to be honest, Alex and M, is that you never shame us for loving basic shit. You're never shaming your <laughs> listeners. You're like, you know what? I get why you like it. And here's why it's problematic. And here's why it's good. <laughs> right. I feel like we all have a basic bitch inside of us. And sometimes we just need to let her come out and play. Just let her frolic. <laughs> Absolutely. We encourage you to embrace your inner basic. <laughs> Unfortunately, television gives you many opportunities to do so. <laughs> so many. <laughs> So what are you all talking about right now on the pod? We actually just finished our ninth season. By the time this this airs anyway, we will have finished our ninth season, which was historical dramas. And we are going on hiatus. So check out those episodes. There are 10 episodes in that season. We start with Mad Men and we end with Rome. And um, after our hiatus, we will be back with our 10th season strong female lead. Uh, We have so many shows scheduled for that. All of our more modern favorites, so definitely stay tuned for that. Ooh, I'm, Ooh, I'm so, so excited. excited. Ooh, jinx. Yeah, Sarah <laughs> and I are like, we can't wait. Jinx, yeah. jinx, jinx. What also is really cool is that you all have a super active Twitter and Instagram, right? We do, we, we do. do, we do. We love, we don't love, we love, yes, uh, <laughs> posting our favorite music choices that we're listening to, as well as movies we've watched that move us. So make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram for our song of the day and our movie of the day. And, you know, we love to hear from you guys. We we see you in the analytics, but we don't necessarily hear you. And we're super friendly and we always want to talk to you guys and tell us what you think about the episodes and how you think everything's going or stuff that you like. Yeah, I was yes. going to say I'm constantly discovering new songs through your... I think I see it more on Instagram, but yeah, I'm constantly discovering new stuff. So it is great. And what are your handles there? You can follow us on Twitter at the good bad Basic and on Instagram at GoodBadBasicPod. So fun. Yeah, I, I, I really love the, the movie of the, the day or the week or whatever it ends up being and, and being like, oh, crap, I remember that movie. Oh, crap, I remember that movie. <laughs> like, yeah, I love also the commentary that happens like when people get excited about it and they retweet it. They're like, this movie was my favorite. And I'm like, whoa, that was my favorite. It's just cool. You all are building a really fun, supportive and engaged community. And it's just fun to be part of it. 
So today we are talking about the new film, Wonder Woman 1984, the sequel to the original Wonder Woman that came out in 2000 and blah, 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 I don't know. And this one came out right before the end of the hellscape year of 2020. 2021 turned out to be a very close relative of 2020. So we will see what the future holds. Wonder Woman 84 was in some theaters, but also on HBO Max, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Directed by Patty Jenkins, story by Patty Jenkins and Jeff Johns. Uh, and then starring Gal Gadot, Chris Pine, Kristen Wiig, Pedro Pascal, and Robin Wright and Connie Nielsen. So that's our little crew of people. Jeff Johns, he's the executive producer of uh, DC stuff. So he's executive produced a whole bunch of things. I was like, the name feels familiar, but I do not remember who that is. But now And also he writes a lot of things that I don't love, but we can <laughs> move on from that, I guess. No, wait, what is that backstory? No, because I did some research a little and I saw that name and I and I was like, I didn't like SC. I was like, oh, well, that name feels familiar. And I like Googled it and I was like, oh, okay, I guess he like does a bunch of DC stuff, but I don't know like. What's his bag like, I guess, in like the DCU and like EU and like the the company? Oh, well, so I think that pretty much he's a comic book writer primarily who came to prominence with, from what I remember, it was the JSA like series. That was the first thing I remember seeing him writing. And that has a bunch of the old timey like World War II era superheroes from DC. So like the old version of The Flash and like Wildcat and all of those stars and stripe or whatever. So they have tons and tons of stuff along those lines in JSA. And then he moved on to do Infinite Crisis, which is just like kind of a hyper violent bloodbath. And like he kind of does a lot of like Alan Moore's greatest hits, you know, without Mm. like the compelling commentary. And he he's the person, for my purposes, he's the person who wrote the Power Girls story where she like tearfully oh, talks about her boob God, window no. and is just like, well, the lack of fabric over my boobs is because I never felt like I belong. <laughs> it's like, just let a, let a bitch have a boob window. Why does she have to have a reason? No woman is out here just being like, I have to have this boob window. Like... It's so bad. It's so like men writing women, right? Like it's totally should be on that website. But all of those things aside, he was the person behind the Titan series and like has just done tons and tons of work. It is like baffling to me that the person who wrote the Power Girl boob window thing is like also now somebody who (laughs) co-wrote Wonder Woman, you know, like, Mm. but all right, great. Anyway, that's who Jeff Johns is. I think that was actually very helpful information and does slightly change how I perceive this film. So thank Same. you, Sarah. There's a lot of Jeff Johns-isms. There's a lot of things where it's like, well, the real villain of this movie is whenever Barbara Minerva is mad at the person who tries to come after her. And like, you know, all of that kind of stuff. It's just like women's anger is actually the real villain of this movie. And like all of that kind of stuff I would consider to be a Jeff Johnsism. Okay. All right. Okay. So this this definitely like recontextualizes some things for me. Okay. Great. Awesome. So the the basic plot, right, is like Dan is living her best life in the eighties. She's got her high hair, but it's not too high. She doesn't have the creepy bangs. She's rocking a high waist. She's looking good. She's out there. She's working at the Smithsonian. She's a queen. You know, whatever. And it's the 80s, and no one's noticed that she hasn't aged since the last time they saw her. She's fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, And then she meets Barbara Minerva, played by Kristen Wiig, who is a nerd who works at the Smithsonian and can't walk in high heels. That's her main defining feature. She just can't do it. I'm just kidding. I actually love the Barbara Minerva in this film. The shoes and thing is weird, though. Like, the shoes is, that get, is like, so much more screen time than so many other elements of the I, film. There is, there's, like, a whole, like, tracking shot devoted to it. <laughs> the shoes thing is baffling to me. Like, there, if there's anything, people were like, oh, Maxwell Lord is kind of baffling. And I'm just like, the shoes, though, right? Like... <laughs> And it's, they're not particularly high heel. Like, they're just... <laughs> so I didn't understand I think I personally. could walk in those, but I don't know. And it turns out to be, like, a major motivation of Barbara Minerva becoming a supervillain, which to me is, like, 
It's because of the shoes. <laughs> I mean, I do identify with like if I was going to be a supervillain, I think it would have to be over something petty, but I don't think it would be high heels. I think it'd be like people don't make corn dogs anymore. Like I right. think that would make me into a supervillain. <laughs> Okay, well, continue on. Sorry. No, no, this is, this is the point of the show. Pedro Pascal is around, and he's he's Maxwell Lord. He's an awfully handsome and likable Maxwell Lord. Like, I know Maxwell Lord's kind of likable, but still. And he's like, life can be good, but it could be better. And that's cute. I like that part. And then, um, I don't know why, uh, but what's-his-butt comes back. What's his name? The dude. Chris Pine's character. What's his name? Steven. <laughs> Steve. I cannot keep that bitch in my head because I do not care about him. Same. <laughs> so he comes back in someone else's body. We're going to have to talk about that. Very strange. Then a lot of really fucked up racial stereotypes of Arabs take place. That's a weird part of the film. And then uh, Wonder Woman saves the day. That's pretty much my summary. I feel like that is comprehensive. <laughs> it is. It's very comprehensive. Um, I think you left out a very key factor. The cows in D.C., um, more cows than black people in D.C., actually. So that was super oh interesting. <laughs> um, I also think that it's super interesting that uh, this movie was clearly queer baiting um, with Barbara and Diane's, um, as Alex said, sunset date. Yes. Where they're making each other laugh and they're giving each other light pats on the hand. And then like they don't end up being a couple. Just make that the movie. Yeah. She's like, you're so funny. <laughs> funny yeah. I'm just like that's what I say to every person who I crush on regardless <laughs> of how funny they are it's really awkward because this is something that I, I slightly talked about with M. but like watching the movie it's so pronounced because this is like the first part of the movie like so the movie starts and like we're showing like Diana's life through pictures well first there's like this the mascara like leftover that feels like it's leftover from the first movie that I mean, it's cool, but like, I I don't I don't know what it added like to the plot, like to the plot I agree with that. or to like a cerebral. If they're trying to like, if or if the sh- the movie had like a message, I don't know necessarily what that message was, but like it's there, but it's here, <laughs> and like Diana's like we see like pictures of her with Etta Candy as Etta being much aged, right? And Etta has now died. So all these people that, like, I guess she was friends with have, like, died and she's feeling lonely in general. And, like, then we have this, like, really beautiful, like, night setup where there's all these, like, lovers around her at this really nice restaurant. And then she's eating by herself. And then the next day, Kristen Wiig, Barbara, walks into the new job where Diana works and bumps into somebody and like her briefcase of papers go flying and Diana helps her pick them up and they like look up at each other. And if this sounds like a romantic movie, it's because it fucking is. <laughs> like, it is. like this is like your classic fucking Hollywood meet, meet cute, cute start oh of God. a romantic comedy. And what follows are more romantic comedy shit. And then the movie's like, no, they're not going to like fuck. And I'm like, whoa, 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 wait. Flag on the play. Flag on the play. Right. What is like, explain it. Like, I don't understand. Right, let's talk about how like after this romantic sunset date with wine and laughing and, and deep gazing into each other's, each other's eyes, eyes, Diana saves her from someone who's trying to accost her yeah in the park <laughs> like and like which is like like even more of that romance vibes I mean, right classic silver age right <laughs> like right. superman lois lane they're just gal pals they're just but gals they're just being gal pals, pals you guys. they're just gals being pals that's all it is like what bothered me the most <laughs> isn't even that they didn't end up being a couple but that it didn't even end up being friends. And I feel like there was this layer of basically the the directors and the writers like playing with our intelligence and saying, oh, no, 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 she doesn't want Diana. She just wants to be her. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, that's not the biggest bisexual flag someone can get. Right? Not right? knowing if you want to be or fuck someone. <laughs> She's always just like, Diana's so pretty, so confident, so funny and so it's just like so beautiful yeah, her eyes into I could Diana. Into them. <laughs> it's fine for you just to admit that it's fine and then she's like no i'm gonna sleep with maxwell lord <laughs> it's so strange to further this this is clearly a romantic comedy or like an action romance thing that's happening 
when Maxwell Lord comes into this this picture, there's like a scene where like it's Diana, Barbara, and Maxwell Lord. And Gal Gadot is giving big, like, why are you talking to my future girlfriend energy? Like big, <laughs> big, why are you talking to my future girlfriend energy? Right. Yeah, she's all like defensive. She's like, yeah. Yeah. We're just friends, but you better back the fuck up from my friend that I feel very, very, very strongly about. <laughs> and like, I understand. I honestly understand why Barbara slept with him because yeah. Diana hadn't given her the all clear, first of all. And secondly, she didn't even want Max. She just liked the attention. How mm-hmm. did I miss that? They had sex? Yeah. yeah I mean, they, well, they, they allude that they had sex in her office when he was trying to distract her to steal the oh, stone. Right. Um, right, of course. Of so course, what of bothers course, me right, about right. this whole stone thing is like, I feel like you're an all-powerful stone and literally all you did for old girl was take off her glasses and get her to dressing better. The stone didn't even <laughs> change her hair. It's like a queen didn't even give her a she's all that makeover. <laughs> it just, all they did was take off her glasses and we get her dressing better. It's she's all that. She wasn't even dressing film. badly before. All they did was take off the ugly skirt. For real, like the ugly skirt and the she's all that. That's when I thought the movie was, when she does the, when it literally goes to she's all that. And that all she does is take off the skirt and the glasses. I was like, is this movie fucking with me? Like, (laughs) I really thought like, (laughs) I was like, what's happening though? Like, actually... Right. Like, okay. I think Hollywood has like a long history of trying to convince us that a certain attractive white woman is unattractive and nobody wants her. And we played (laughs) along with it. But like this movie literally didn't even change, didn't even bother to like put like makeup on her. They just like took off the glasses and took off the skirt and they're like, boom, you're a winner now, girl. Go out there. (laughs) Um, They put her in some heels that she wasn't tripping on. And we were all just, you know, they expected us just like standing ovation. Like, this is the hero we asked for the stone gave her balance you know a pilates class could have done that yeah (laughs) like i was so upset too that the stone brought steve back in someone else's body i'm like you can literally start world wars but you can't like dig a dude up and like reanimate him (laughs) okay so then yes so then that's the other thing so then i'm i'm watching this glorious romantic comedy between two (laughs) women take shape and then probably, I guess, just like more like most things in life, this dude like comes back and it's like, why are you here? Why? Why? Right. Every situation doesn't need a you. I've read so many Wonder Woman comics and there's so many Wonder Woman comics where Steve Trevor is there for no reason. And so like making it to this movie and being like, so he's here for no reason again. <laughs> like, because in the first movie, we talked about it, right? Like Steve's pretty great. It's charming to watch them. Like they like each other, you know, all of that. Chris Pine's got an adorable face, but come on. Yeah, but it's not like 40 years later, like this is the only thing I care about still. Because it's like, why wouldn't you use the stone to be like, I'm going back at the mascara right and then yeah steve what are you even doing here like (laughs) diana's like just met somebody like just now and then he's like what's up well i have a few things to say about how to learn how to fly and like all of that goofy i must save her from being attracted to a woman I, I mean, that's what it really does feel like. That's that, what it reads though. like. Yes, that it's exactly. Just sort of stuck in there to be like, oh no, it's too gay. Like, and this yeah. is where, like, Sarah, I asked you about Geoff Johnson. Like, who is he and what does he do? And knowing that Patty Jenkins was really instrumental in writing this, because like the script just doesn't make sense. So right. I'm like, there's there has to be some extent. Because, like, I've listened to Patty Jenkins. I've read a bunch of her interviews. Even if there are maybe things I think that, like, I probably don't agree with her on. I would think that she would understand what she's setting up. And so then for it to just do this, I'm like, it feels like third-party meddling, like, with the studio and Geoff Johns or whatever. Because, like, none of it makes sense. Yeah, it's probably Jeff's idea. (laughs) It's probably Jeff's idea. Yeah, that's okay. I agree with you. (laughs) Um, It's one of those things where it's like, we have no idea like what was happening, you know, but then like just knowing the comics that I've read by Jeff Johns, I was like, yeah, this reminds me of Jeff Johns stuff. Like I've read a lot of stories by this guy. And Sarah, you're right. There is a third screenwriter. So stories by Patty and Jeff, and they both screenwrite with Dave Callahan, who again, I'm not familiar with. 
Yeah, three people on a script is difficult, just anyway. And then imagine if you're all trying to go in different directions, which in my opinion, that's kind of what this movie feels like. (laughs) It does feel like there's three different ideas for a movie in it. I completely agree with that. I mean, that's like, I'm reading a, like sort of my notes from my phone and like, that's literally my, I write that like four times the script doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. It feels like three different ideas happening at once. Yeah. And you can feel it. You can feel it in the movie, which brings me to my next really intense point. It's too fucking long. Like uh, yeah. this movie is way, way too long. long. I was watching it and like M called me and I paused to talk to M. And I was like, wait, we're already 41 minutes into this bitch and nothing has happened? (laughs) Are you kidding me? Like, holy shit, absolutely not. Like, we should, I should be halfway through the second act. We're still in the first act. Like, this is ridiculous. This needed to be trimmed by 45 minutes at least. Absolutely, right. I feel like that is true of so many of the superhero films that are coming out. It's just like, you don't have to make this two and a half, three hours. Like, I don't oh, man. I don't need that personally. Okay, so if they had kept it at two and a half hours long and they had cut the entire Maxwell Lord story and it was all about Barbara and Diana becoming villains to each other, like, that would be, that would be such beautiful. a better story. But... As it stands, yes, this movie needed to lose, like, I don't know, 60 minutes? Like, a whole yeah. hour, maybe? <laughs> like, Well, you know, Sarah, you also unlocked something for me, too, because I didn't realize, you know, Steve coming back is like, whoa, 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 let's not make this about women. Let's, like, focus on what matters, men. And then, like, you know, Diana has all this power. Now Cheetah's getting all this power. And they're like, but wait. You know, Maxwell Lord has to have the most power because men have to have the most power. Do I understand that that is reality? Yes, I I live here. Uh, However, it was just like, it felt like, what? And I didn't realize Mm -hmm. that that was part of what felt so disjointed. Because I really like Pedro Pascal. So if you put him on a screen, I'm going to be like, ooh, nice. I like his face. This is fun. And -hmm. then I was like, you know, kind of like, I don't get why he's here. But every time he comes on the screen, I, I like it. He plays a very sick not okay person very well. <laughs> yes. Well, here's my thing about the movie. I would have liked the movie if Barbara had made her little wish and became super strong. Steve had stayed dead. They become like really close friends. They become lovers even. And then like Diana figures out what's going on with Pedro in the stone and they kind of team up to fight him. And, you know, Barbara sacrifices her powers. That would have been like a cool movie. I feel like if they had just let them be gay and left Steve out of it, we could have had a much better movie. That being said, I went in with very low expectations because I genuinely hate the original Wonder Woman. I hate the war (laughs) propaganda. I hate the shitty lighting, that DC lighting. I was just so happy that this movie was in Technicolor that it really could have done anything and I would have been happy. (laughs) 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 I was just so happy. I was like, oh my God, everything's so bright. (laughs) They kept Zack Snyder far away from this film. Um, Yeah, like there's just so much. I don't get it. Because like you said, like Sarah said, there's three ideas happening at once. It feels like because I remember at first thinking, oh, because of that opening, like sort of mall at the mall scene, which I get it. And like Em said, it's all in Technicolor. I thought and there seemed to be like these nods to Linda Carter. I was like, okay, we're going to get like a cool like nods to Linda Carter. And then maybe they're like leaning into this like Silver Age DC universe, which I mean, that's really what DC should have been doing like in the first place. Yeah, always. With all their movies, they should have leaned into sort of all the Silver Age wackiness mm-hmm. and all this. And because that's a big part of what makes DC so fun. Yes. And agree. I was like, okay, we're going to get like a cool, wacky DC movie. We're going to get like this cute little girl-on-girl romance. This is fun. And then, like, none of that happened. And then, not only did that not happen, but the story just actively gets mucked up, like, the further we're going along. You know, I was just thinking about that, too, Alex, because I I really like the Themyscira scene, but I think that's just because I like women. So I just like all of the mascara scenes because I'm like, oh, look at these buff-ass women. Right, and that, that was such a great setup for what could have been such a great movie. Well, could have been great. Like, if they could have the kept that original scene, <laughs> let the girls be gay, and let Steve stay dead. Yep. How is this hard? Yep. <laughs> yeah, and like the lesson being like, don't cheat makes like very little sense to me because I don't associate Wonder Woman with being a cheater. 
Yeah. But I think maybe a better lesson would be you aren't in control of everything. You right. shouldn't be alone trying to fix the world. I mean, any other kind of lesson would make sense. But like, don't cheat. Yes, maybe that's something you have to teach children because like, you know, cheating, whatever. I don't fucking care. But I was just like, you know, get to the end of the mascara and I was like, so the lesson is don't cheat. How is that going to fucking apply? Like, yeah. I do not get the don't cheat. And then you get to the end and she gives that speech to to Maxwell Lord where she's like, Maxwell, you need real things. <laughs> Right, right. Just like what? What, It was just so weird. I mean, like I said, thank you, Technicolor. Thank you for (laughs) for saving me from that granite slate gray cast that was on the first movie. Thank you for that. Oh my god. Um, listen, I'm I'm just gonna keep it 100 right now because let me talk about the things in the movie that truly actively bothered me. There were three things that actively bothered me. The first. Chris Pine is aging really, really hard. He didn't look that old when he died. Um, <laughs> Steve did not look that old when he died. Aww, Please stop it. Chris. Um, <laughs> number two. I don't know why I think that is so funny. He's it's aging so, so hard. Like, please, y'all could let him just, just let him be. I think let he just be. didn't put it on any moisturizer. Just let him be the dad from Wrinkle in Time. Okay, that's you know what? Look. I feel like that's deeply offensive to the makeup department because they tried. I know they tried. I feel it in my soul. I know they tried with him. <laughs> the second thing that bothers me is that we never see this little Asian child's mother. Um, that that bothered me a lot. And the third thing is I feel like the movie was a low-key trying to make a case for the oppression of Palestinians and Arab people. Saying like, well, yep. this is the way the world is now and you just have to deal with it. Otherwise, you're going to ruin the world. Yeah. No, I think that's I think that the the Arab representation is horrific in this entire thing. You know why, right? Like because of American exceptionalism and blah, blah, blah. We have to justify all these fucking things we've done throughout history. But it's just Jeff like. John's loves ugh. that shit. He does. <laughs> he does. Life. I also just didn't understand why they were there. Like. I guess I just consider or I contextualize Wonder Woman as such an American story. I mean, her costume is literally the American flag. And I, I guess I suppose with the first movie, like, it's like World War One, And so, yeah. But like, you know, that's like the world. But um, I was just like, why are we in this Arab country, like, doing things? Like, it just yeah. felt like, once again, it felt like this was someone's random idea. And they were like, oh. Because, like, they're in California and, like, they're at this art place doing whatever. Then suddenly we're randomly in this Arab country. And I'm like, right. But why? They have to, like, reach all the way across the aisle. Like, the racism in this movie is totally just them being like, we need to go to this This (laughs) random place that we have no. going way over there. Way over there. Why? I don't know. Wait, just Um, for my own clarity, the movie is set in DC, isn't it? Yeah, it's in um, D.C. and then it... <laughs> I would believe you if you said any city. <laughs> no, because well, that, that, was, that, was my, that was my original problem with the movie. I was talking to my friend Kiana about it. I'm like, this is D.C. in 1984 and the only black person is the homeless guy? Right. Like, oh there's literally God. more cows than black people in the movie. And we even see Ugh. people breakdancing, right, outside of one of the, mm-hmm. the, the, right. the mm-hmm. Capitol Museums buildings. Or, yeah. And none of them are black. Right. It's it's so fucking ridiculous. Ugh, this movie. Like, like, I mean, if it had been Palo Alto, maybe I would have given them like a slide. But no, you're not going to go to D.C. in the 80s and tell me that there's no black people around. Please stop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I also just didn't like this plot point of like a stone, like the a ma- it's like a magic rock. We're hin- that was another thing. We're hinging everything on a magic rock. It has a rock no connection that can't to even her? reanimate Steve Trevor, but had to put his consciousness <laughs> in a person's body. Where was that person's consciousness this entire time, though? Mm-hmm, yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm, the part mm-hmm. where Gal Gadot is yelling at Maxwell Lord and is just like, I need you to give me the stone. <laughs> it goes through my head so many times right before I smoke weed. <laughs> <laughs> And because of that, I liked this movie, sort of. (laughs) You know, I think I have a high, I think we all have a high tolerance for wackiness and for strange decisions. But it's like, why does the stone 
how is it at all connected to Wonder Woman? Like the things that are actually connected to Wonder Woman all take place in like a one minute period as she's heading to fight Maxwell Lord, right? Mm. The big deal with her riding lightning. That's like a half a second. I was like, uh, I would like to be very into her riding lightning. And instead I'm like, wait, did she just ride lightning? Is it over already? Okay. Wasn't that the thing? Wasn't everyone really upset about this thing? And like, now it's not here. And it was in the chill. And I was like, oh, that's badass. Like, that's a cool way to like expand her power. And then it's like nothing. And her flying, her uniform from, and I totally forgot the character's name, but you know, the one who went and helped everybody, played by Linda Carter in the after credits scene. Yeah. Um, I was like, these are the things that I, I want to see Wonder Woman lore. I want to see you tell me a story that's intrinsically Wonder Woman's versus oh a story God. that is like, about, again, I'm not clear. <laughs> I had the least loved scene for me was <laughs> whenever Steve Trevor is in the plane with her and he's just like, yeah, flying is just wind and air and learning to ride it. <laughs> just no. like anything, really. Like- I'm just like... I hate this so much. And I also was very annoyed that that was how Wonder Woman learned how to fly. was like this guy rambling about air. Can we have a conversation a about how there's just no way that someone who was flying planes in the 40s would be able to fly a plane that was manufactured the in the hell? 80s? I know. It does not make any sense. Please tell grandpa to give up the steering wheel right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is not okay like, I was just like he's gonna crash he's gonna crash he's gonna fucking crash like, the thing has just so many more buttons and controls and mechanisms like planes rely on radar and sonar now yeah he didn't even know radar it's not that little thing that the Wright brothers put together in their garage <laughs> <laughs> yeah now there's a Mary Sue you want a Mary Sue it is fucking Steve Trevor flying that plane <laughs> I'm like rereading my notes like all this Steve shit is boring and needed to be cut. <laughs> it's a thank you for that. Like, listen, like you said, and I'm going to die on this hill. Let the girls be gay. Let them fight Max together and let Steve stay dead. And you would have had an infinitely better movie. Hey, listeners. You know, there's one way that you can really support us that makes all the difference in the world. You can join us over on Patreon. We're at patreon.com slash bitches on comics. You can't search us on Patreon. You have to type the words out. <laughs> you, you have to say bitches or you can't do it. <laughs> you can join us at any level starting at $2. Honestly, we have a couple people who join us at $1. Do it. Do what feels right for you, baby. And you get all of the hours of bonus content we've backlogged and everything we release on a weekly basis. We have our intoxicated comics episodes. Those are when we get a little woo-woo and talk about either an important comic book character or an important comic book event that we enjoyed. We have our TV and movie reviews where we talk about a property we love and usually giggle a lot because we love weird things. And we have our comic reviews, among other things. And so we try to point out indie comics, old comics you might have missed, things that are fun, lighthearted. We're all about the positive content. Every now and then, you know, something might eke past. I had to read a comic I didn't like, and so I had to review it on on Patreon. I'm sorry. But for the most part, we're pretty positive and excited. So again, please come join us for as little as $2. We offer all the same benefits to anyone at any tier, so help us at the level that feels right to you. We're at patreon.com slash bitchesoncomics. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch. And organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. 
And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Okay, I just wanted to note that in the comics, Barbara Minerva is queer and dates at a candy. And also that she's disabled and it's maybe not the best <laughs> disability representation in the world to say the least, but I think that that's kind of an important part of her character and I really would have liked to have seen more of it. I also would have just liked to see more of her as a queer character because that's canon. That's totally a thing. And you could bring goddamn Etta Candy back. I want Etta back in this film. What's her disability if you don't mind my She has to walk with a cane and it's changed <laughs> over time like why that was. I don't understand why we couldn't just get that instead of a girl who can't walk in three inch heels a hundred percent yeah and like also that's kind of the thing is is like there it, there's definitely like a problematic nature of being like the only disability like rep that we do see is somebody who's just like i would do anything to get rid of my disability you know that's like such a common plot point but they didn't have to go that route they could have made it way better they could have improved upon what the comics did i mean i feel like it would have made a lot more sense if you mm -hmm. have this woman who is being ignored by potential partners or just her male counterparts because she's disabled not just because mm -hmm. she wears glasses and an ugly skirt or right. a woman who wants to be strong because maybe her her disability makes her vulnerable to creepy guys at the park Yes, exactly. Like, That's what I was thinking. Like, that makes more sense than, oh, man, I can't walk in heels and I don't know how to dress well, so I'm just going to become evil. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Oh, my God. Yeah, I, you know, I think we've touched on it a little, but I do think that this weird sort of moral around sexual harassment that makes literally no sense is one of the many, many problems in this film. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's like, how much do I need to see women harassed on TV and film? Like, not that much, personally. Like, you can show me that without having to show me it happening on the screen at the same time. But, you know, a thorough choice. I can respect that. However, her evil moment is beating the shit out of the same guy for harassing her a second time. Right. Right. That's how she crosses her moral event horizon is, like, beating up a rapist. Right. It's the, it's the man who attacked her, right? And it's like... Uh, right, and that's supposed to be like, she's evil now, you guys. But like, huh? Right, and I was yeah, like, huh? girl, yes, please kick the shit out of him because clearly he hasn't learned anything from when Diana anything. put him in his place last time. He's going to be out here raping folks regardless. But, you mm -hmm. know, it's like you said earlier, the real villain is the woman's anger. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I think that that's like so real in this, right? Like this whole movie pretty much. It, yeah, the whole thing was really weird to me. I feel like the, with the homeless guy coming in and like, well, like coming that pissed me across off the street so and asking her, you know, like, what are you doing, Barbara? And like, he was supposed to be like the conscience in that scenario. But I'm like, 
Yeah. I, I, on, I genuinely don't see a person who... Like, they make it seem like he's judging her and, like, he's playing conscience in that situation. But I don't see how this could be a situation where he, of all people, the guy who she has brought dinner to every night, would be the one to judge her. And you think that motherfucker who's going to try and rape her is going to be nice to a homeless black man? Right. Why would he give a fuck about that guy? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Also, putting, like, this unhoused person in the position of being Barbara's moral compass is weird. But It is. It's very weird. Like, if you have to sleep outside on a sidewalk, it's a very hard life. And being concerned that a person who sexually assaulted a person who's really nice to you got beat up is probably not on your radar too much. In my notes, I said Barbara's magical Negro is doing dumb shit. This doesn't make sense. And he is. He's essentially like a sort of... spiritual guide kind of thing and it just doesn't none of it makes sense but whatever yeah and i'm so sick of of this trope of like let me show you how good this person is they give their leftovers to someone who's homeless and it's like that is not a character credit that's nothing that means nothing to me the bare minimum of things to do that are decent in your life um but yeah the, the the moral of the story is that um seeking justice against those who have harmed you Makes you the bad guy. Pretty sure. That's the takeaway. <laughs> um, you should just let your rapists live, girl. Just let your, And you know what? She wasn't even checking for him. That's what blows me about the movie is that it completely lacks self-awareness because she didn't get all of the strength and then go to the park hunting for this guy. He tried to harass her yet again. Yeah. And she that's tried to walk he, away. That's when she beat his ass. Like, are you, are you serious right now? How is she yeah. wrong for this? Women's anger is wrong unless it's directed at... Arabs. That's the takeaway. <laughs> yep. Just all these things that like are not adding up. And this is why I can't enjoy the movie. It's why like I guess it's best the movie is like fine or whatever because of the spectacle. But um the movie's not coherent in any way. It really isn't. And like that was like my biggest thing of like why I couldn't even enjoy the spectacle. It's not coherent. Like none of these things are adding up to a tight coherent story it doesn't feel yeah, what's like what's the fucking arc <laughs> exactly like it doesn't feel like there's a beginning a middle and end it just feels like there's stuff that happens yeah yeah it's like it doesn't even matter that she learns how to fly that's not her main problem when we join her like what if that had been her main problem and then she learns how to fly like i like that movie that sounds interesting it's why the film suffers as a whole mm. and it's why the people who i think were real enough to like really tear it to shreds shout out to angelica jade bastion um mm-hmm. it deserves like and, and 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 listen it's like i would have been fine because i think the first wonder woman it's fine it's a fine film like there's a beginning there's a middle there's an end it's a coherent story even if there are parts of it that i don't like it all adds up and equals the correct number and you can't say that about 84 like you just can't say that and that to me is really what fucks it up like even if like somebody makes a movie with all the shit like that i hate like at least tell a good story like at least (laughs) do like the basic tenets of storytelling and like (laughs) this does not do that and that is just that's wild that's that's wild and people got paid people got paid a lot of money for this like this is crazy Mm -hmm. i mean i hear that and i receive that and i acknowledge that and it's valid but the first movie is ugly. <laughs> it's so ugly. Like, it's aesthetically displeasing. My eyes feel assaulted. It literally fulfills <laughs> the basic kindergarten tenets of telling a story. And therefore, in this one doesn't. And therefore, <laughs> that one still gets a pass. It's such a low bar. I, mean, I get that. I get that. And I, I understand that. But here's the thing. This movie, and this is just how my brain works, is I have ADHD so I it's hard for me to focus on on things and have them be linear anyway so I just feel like this movie is so pretty I can just cut and paste the things that I do like and with enough time I'll forget the things that I don't like yeah the vibes the vibes are good it but for parts of it (laughs) here's Wonder Woman 1984 as I remember it uh we went to where Diana grew up at the Mascara in 1984, Steve Trevor's dead. She's realizing now that it's been like a few decades that he really wasn't that cool, that she was suffering from the born sexy yesterday <laughs> trope. 
<laughs> she meets Barbara, falls madly in love with how cute and quirky she is. Um, Barbara, who is disabled, makes a wish to be stronger and, you know, it gasses her head up. And like Diana's love has to like get her back to who she is. And then they fight Maxwell together. And then the little Asian kid goes home to his mom because his dad's clearly unfit right now. Yeah. The end. I like all of that. Yeah. That does take all the things I like and make them the best part of the film. So I appreciate and So that's that. what happened in Wonder Woman 84. That's what I'm going to tell people who asked me what the movie was about. Um, that's what happened. That's the movie as I recollect. The fact that Maxwell Lord gets a redemption arc in this movie and Barbara doesn't is wild because Maxwell Lord ends back up with his kid and that kid does not deserve to have to deal with that guy as a dad. Like, I would argue that that guy did not learn anything in this movie. He didn't. Like, I love you, um, son, but I'm going to let the world crumble around you. Yeah, every aspect of it. And the fact that he really just kind of abandons his kid there for a minute. Um, those are all things that this I This kid is walking say, on like a fucking highway. Like right. just yeah. on an on-ramp by He was in an empty office and I'm like, building. What? Yeah, yes. they just yes. abandoned this kid. And then later it's just like, well, I mean, love though. And it's just like, <laughs> you all left Barbara soaked and like on the side of a body of water and like just left her so (laughs) that was like the end of her arc so i don't know it's fascinating to me i was like huh the messages men are allowed to be destructively greedy but women are not allowed to be justifiably angry that's the movie yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. wow uh i'm gonna go stare out a window for three hours after this and think about that that's fucked up (laughs) Okay, so I wanted to clarify about Barbara's arc because I could not understand what happened. So, you know, she gets her powers, but then why does she become cheetah-like? Like, does she make a second wish? But I thought you could only make one wish. So the second wish, right? Because she's like, I want to be an apex predator, that part. Uh, Right, right. right. But I thought you only got one wish. No, Max gave her another. The stone can do whatever it wants. And Max gave her a second Uh, stone when she saved his life. Act like this movie makes sense and that there are rules. (laughs) Okay, so, no, I'm not acting like it makes sense. I have fully embraced the idea that it doesn't make sense. So I am am interacting with the movie as it exists. (laughs) I don't want to change the movie. I'm just like, okay, it makes no sense. So you're going to be illogical. I'm going to be illogical. (laughs) Max... Max is the stone now. So he gets to make the rules. And he's like, okay, she saved my life. She stopped Diana from like, you know, rounding me up back oh, in, in the DC. White House, you get right? a second okay. wish. Okay. You get a second wish. Yeah. You get a second wish. <laughs> no, because I was with you, SD. I didn't get how we made the jump to like, she's a cheetah now. I was like, wait, what happened? In the comics, I knew that they had her have fur. And I was like, do they have to commit to that in this film? Because I mean, she's wearing a lot of cheetah print. I'd call that cheetah esque. You know, I'm in. <laughs> The first cheetah was actually the first two cheetahs in comics were just ladies who wore cheetah outfits. That's Um, adorable. And they were really fun, honestly. They were both debutantes and like just were so mad because Diana's so pretty and gets (laughs) all of the things and everybody loves her so much. And I just want to... Yeah, totally. Kiss um, her face. I'm so mad. I want to just make out with her. Yeah. <laughs> so here's my problem with her becoming Cheetah, actually. I know why she got a second wish. She gave her a second wish. But, like, she specifically wished to be an apex predator. And, like, logic hat, Cheetahs are not apex predators. <laughs> mm. Like, if he yeah, was trying to make her make do something, sense. he could have made her a snow leopard. That would have been cute. But cheetahs are not on the list of apex predators. I actually Googled <laughs> that right after watching the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I was just like, he girl, he gave you like he half-assed your wish, and you're still caping for him. Mm, hate to see yeah. it. Mm, not there for it. I was trying to think like, okay, what things did I like about it? I think Kristen Wiig is great casting. I think she did a so really good. great job. Um, Love her. I liked. I like the angry women. I wish they weren't punished for being angry. I think there's a lot of reasons for women to be angry. I think Pedro Pascal is a really great actor. Mm-hmm. No matter how I feel about Maxwell Lord or about like. The storyline, I had to start, like, dissecting it to figure out, like, because I watched it and I was like, all right, that's a movie. 
I liked parts. I cried in Themyscira. I Do I hate that about myself? A little, but I'm always going to cry at Themyscira. I just, I want there to be an island full of women that would allow me as a non-binary person to visit because I think there's going to be a lot of strong arms there and I'd like to be held. Oh, and I would just like to give a shout out real quick to Robin Wright's arms. Um, oh, goddamn Robin Wright. Anyway. Y'all can tell me this is just cheesy as fuck, but I'm holding on to the tiny moments. At the end of the Themyscira scene, when Diana's like trying to cheat and she falls down and her mom just like doesn't join the people who won and instead like sits down with her child. I was like, oh my God, do parents do that? Do parents care about their <laughs> children? Like, I didn't know that was a thing. And I know we we have all have issues about Diana's arc or lack thereof, but I also thought that Max's storyline actually made the least sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to explain why. So he got all these investors <laughs> for, for this land that supposedly had oil, right? For a co-op. Right, right. For the co-op because there's oil in the land, right? But like it ends up not having any oil. But my thing is like you could have saved 15% or more just by wishing for oil on the stone. <laughs> literally made himself dependent on other people's wishes for the duration of the movie like for why and like is it not a big decision to change the basic composition of who you are i just felt like he made that like they wanted us to understand the stakes for him without giving them to us so like you know he's a little stressed out like that isn't to me that isn't like I, i'm stressed out literally 24 7 and i don't think that on a wishing stone i'd be like you know what i wish i was a wishing stone Right. I just don't see that happening for myself. Right. Like, is it not like migraines and nosebleeds aside, is it not stressful to be racking up frequent flyer miles to try to get people to make wishes? Uh, yeah. I mean, he literally loses his shit like 100% doing that. Yeah. So I would say it is pretty stressful. Like, you could have just told the stone, listen, I want some oil beneath this barren ass land that I got. Make it happen. Yeah. And then just go Why? about your life. Yeah. Couldn't you also guy. just wish for millions of dollars? Like, do you even need the oil? I don't know. Right. I, I would like, like, Infinity Stone, please give me $1 billion. Okay, thanks. It's been real. Bye. <laughs> and also, the ending is very interesting, too, because they totally are just like, well, she talks him down or whatever. And then he gets a happy ending. In the comic, Wonder Woman straight up uh, murders like, him murders him on live television yeah um and it causes a lot of like the infinite crisis stuff that happened which where i was talking about jeff johns coming in and doing this like weird hyper violent story also like batman superman and wonder woman are all like against each other because batman and superman are like you crossed a line by killing maxwell lord and she's like what are you talking about of course i killed that guy <laughs> i'm from an island of warrior women like what's your deal he had taken over Superman. Right. So he was using Superman to hurt people. And Wonder Woman was like, there's nothing else. And then, of course, in Infinite Crisis, the women's anger is the monster of the movie. You know, it's just totally the same exact thing of just being like, well, Diana, there was always a choice. You could have made a better choice. Now everybody thinks that we're like you and like all of this. And it's just like she has saved the planet a hundred times. Like, okay, so first thing, Superman is an enabler. He always has been. We'll talk about. <laughs> we'll talk more about that later. But this is where there's one. <laughs> later when? Later when? There's one part about the movie that actually like, you know, like I said, the movie made no sense. So I suspended logic because Technicolor. But there's one mm -hmm. part of the movie that I could not suspend lo suspend logic on. And that was everybody around the world taking back their wishes. That's a right. lot. That, that, oh, my no, God. And no, and no reality does that make sense. It's always going to be that at least like one out of every thousand people would be like, well, everyone's going to give back their wish. I don't need to give back mine. I'm good. Yeah. I wouldn't have given back my wish. I'd have been like, I'm good. Same. Maybe it was a ratio. Because I would, first of all, I would have wished for something useful because that's what black people would do. I'd be like, listen, yeah. give me a smooth billion dollars so I never have to work again. And I can buy myself a little hut in like Fiji or something and just eat mangoes and steak every night. I wouldn't have wished for to take somebody's life or to take somebody's land. And so there's no way I would have given that up. Rest and luxury? Right. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Diana's like, listen, though, come on. I'll give up my boyfriend that I kind of regret bringing back because I've got this thing going with this Barbara chick and this is awkward. Right. And SCU said something that, like, honestly just plunged me into more chaos of, like, thinking about... <laughs> 
the film, but like I did not quite know what like the the message message of the film was supposed to be. But now I guess with everything we're talking about, it's becoming clear. And I guess the message was like, don't cheat. Like cheating is bad. And I just like, I don't understand that at all. Like... <laughs> How are you not making billionaires pay? Or I guess at the time they'd be millionaires. But That's like, what I'm saying. In a world where we are like, billionaires are amazing. You're going to tell me like cheating is bad? Like... All these fuckers do all is they cheat. All they do is cheat. And it's really working out for them. Like, what are you talking about exactly? Yeah, Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos are in a pissing contest and they're having a great like, time. But the rest of us are even getting totally that, fucked. that message feels like big, rich, white people energy. Like... Mm-hmm. Of like money doesn't make you happy. I'm like I understand that, but money can be for <laughs> therapy, which will make me happy. Like, um, and they did a study, and they're like, yes, a lot of money doesn't make you happy, but if each person has a baseline income of seventy thousand a year, that does make you happy. And let's just say that's not what's happening in reality at the, at moment. the moment. And it's like right. cheaters. And I don't know, maybe this is me just being really nihilistic, but like cheaters (laughs) prosper, like they win. All they do is win. (laughs) I'm going to have to agree with Alex on this one. Like, well, I don't agree on one thing. I actually don't agree that money won't bring you happiness because I believe wholeheartedly that it does. Because when you look at the trajectory of unhappiness, um, Mm -hmm. that's usually a result of lack of money. So logic follows that if you had money, you'd be happy. Like, I don't even think I would need therapy if, like, all my bills were paid and I had time to rest. Um, Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, two wrongs don't make a right, but two negatives make a positive. I learned that in algebra. So um, I don't understand the problem. Uh, like it just like it felt like I just I could not believe that that was what they were trying don't cheat kids like okay but like why would that be the moral why would that be the moral like that doesn't I that really is Batman's moral ever fucking don't cheat I don't think so is Superman's moral ever don't cheat I don't think so okay and like maybe everyone else who's wish on the stone was cheating but you know back to the Max character wishing to be the stone which is a literal full-time job and then some and then having to go and find these people and grant these wishes that's actually more work than if he had just made one wish (laughs) he's not taking shortcuts in fact he's taking the long way (laughs) over there now like see and then and that's the thing it's like the and and that that brings me to my next thought is that they were like don't cheat but then max does this thing and he wishes to be the stone which, like M says, that feels like a lot of work. Now, I can see how being the stone would make you unhappy. So then to me, it's like, well, then th- isn't the moral maybe like, don't be greedy? Like, greed is like a destructive force in our world. Like, when yes. you take more than like what you need to be um, satisfied, that is that is the true destructive force. But I don't know. Like I said, I'm not trying to make Maxwell's moral, right? And I think that's the, the, we've gotten to the root of the issue because, yeah, Diana did cheat in the race. She fell off her horse and then she took a shortcut. Max didn't take a shortcut. He didn't cheat. His only crime was being greedy. So they're trying to make parallels between her situation as a child and his situation now as an adult, but they're not the same. same. They're not remotely the same. (laughs) And they're trying to make her wishing for Steve also cheating. Because, right, like, the problem with the wishes is that you make a wish and you lose the thing dearest to you. So Diana wishes for Steve. She loses her powers. She gets Steve. Which, that metaphor, I feel like, that's a great metaphor for women giving their power to men. But we can get to that another time. When? I don't know, but we can. (laughs) And so what about the moral of, like, don't try to bring people back from the dead? Right. Because, I mean, I'm Haitian, so I don't play with zombies. (laughs) Like, right. when she made the wish for her dead boyfriend to come back, I knew that was going to go awry. Of course, right? You're like, this is not how the course of nature works. Also, like, if you try to live in the past, you can't move forward. That's a great moral that could have been hers. Like, sure, you want to give me a weepy, sad Diana? 
A, don't buy it. You got that body. You got that sense of meaning and purpose in the world. You got all these people around you that are fuckable. I don't, I don't know. I feel like maybe you're okay. But maybe you have I'm a quirky blonde love interest who can't yes. walk in heels. Um. And she just wants to, she's going to fall into your arms all the time. Oh gosh, my heels. Oh. And I think oh. that just goes to the homophobia of Hollywood because, mm-hmm. well, you know, like Alex said, the first 30 minutes of this movie was a setup for a romance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I actually like what you said, Essie. Like, if you live in the past, you can't move forward. That could have been really, that could have been the message. Like, I would have, I could have gotten on board with that. That could have been a vibe. But, like, none of that happens because this, no. this movie doesn't make any Cheaters sense. never prosper, but greed is fine unless you live in the past. That's, like, kind of the, the takeaway. Living in the past could have been the greater metaphor. Like, totally. yeah, your lands were taken. I'm sorry, but that's past. Yeah, your dad was mean to you, Max, but you can't use that as an excuse to ruin your present. It could have tied into various aspects of our primary characters, but yeah... <laughs> that was not the route they that chose to the go. Time. They said, instead of choosing a route, let's just do a bunch of shit and see what happens. Yeah, it's like, but in the, in the movies, I remember Steve never happened. So it was demonstrably better. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I also like wish there'd been a little bit more like it feels like they tried to give her, you know, as, as we do in sequels, you try and give your superhero like a power up of some kind. And so she gets that new suit and that's supposed to be like her power up. But it, it kind of doesn't make any sense, and it also like doesn't seem very important. <laughs> like, she's like, "Oh, I just got my suit." <laughs> yeah, that's I it. mean, like, that's she got new clothes. They build it up, but there's nothing to it, so it's like okay. But that actually yeah. does follow with the trajectory of the movie of AKA giving people new clothes makes them new people. See Barbara. <laughs> See Barbara for reference. Yeah, I I think I liked Barbara's original outfit, too. I was like, Kirsten Wig is just, like, beautiful. There's, like, nothing we can say about it, really, other than... And, like, as soon as she took that she hideous skirt off, I, I thought she was doing it. Like, she was doing things with that that yeah. leotard and the baggy oversized sweater and the heels. 100%. That was a good yeah. look so for her. She looked like, a, a, you know, like, she came right off a of Jane Fonda uh, aerobicized video. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, I think she looked great. I was like, well... Also, yeah, she was great in the role. Um, (laughs) That's basically whenever I think about what this movie was, is I'm just like, cheetah, right? Like, part of that story was good. (laughs) And once again, same as you, I really liked the color palette of the movie. Yeah, all in all, I mean, I'm sure Patty Jenkins is fine because she got that good DC check. But um, I'd be interested (laughs) to know, like, years from now, just, like, the behind the scenes of how everything's coming together. Because... I feel like she's smart enough to understand that she did not make a coherent film. Like, and I really do think that there is something else going on in terms of, like, meddling. Because it was also funded by, like, the defense, like, the military, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Which which so many movies are, so, like, I don't... It's like whenever I call out, like, that, I'm always just like, and so many of your favorites dating back to the, like, late 30s Also. also. Because it's just at the end of the day, it's not it's not a coherent story, um, and I'd be mm-hmm. interested to know what happened. Um, because, like I said, she's probably fine, but like I would have never wanted to put my name on that. Like I'd have been like, "Don't put my name on this." Like just, and I guess <laughs> she can't walk it back because she's the director. But at least the script, I'd be like, you know what? Just don't even credit me for the story because. I don't want any I want everybody to think that I just showed up and I got the script and then I did the best with what I could from the script Patty girl if you're listening I know that first 30 minutes were your idea and I appreciate you for that <laughs> I just... we'll, we'll actually get a Patty Jenkins director's cut of 84 and it'll be 25 minutes long <laughs> yeah she'll be like they fucked up the script I don't know I don't know what to say <laughs> It'll probably be something like that. What I saw was girls kissing. <laughs> um, I mean, listen, at the end of the day, it's very clear. Like you said, the movie is not linear. This is why I like copy pasted and made a new movie in my head. Um, <laughs> it, it didn't make any sense, like from a logistic standpoint. I wish a stone had never happened. Like, I feel like the movie would made more sense if it was just like a genie. <laughs> Like the, the the stone and the existence of the stone made no sense to me. I wish we would gotten to see the little kid's mom. I wish this wasn't like military propaganda. 
I mean, I'll watch it again on mute. It's fine. <laughs> okay, final thoughts. Anybody? Um, it's worth one watch. Mm. Exactly one watch. Um, and Gal Gadot's hair looked really great. I wonder what deep conditioner she uses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's, That's it. Those thoughts. are my thoughts. Mm-hmm. It's no, it's like what M said. Like if you're working and you just want pictures moving in the background, you can just put it on mute. Mm-hmm. It's really good for <laughs> that. Play. Yeah, yeah. I told Sarah I was going to watch it again to prepare for this, and she was like, "Oof, I don't, I don't know if I could even Same, do that." I so then never. I didn't. <laughs> And I mean, Wonder Woman taught me about myself. Uh, Wonder Woman 84 taught me that I am an aesthetic whore and that I will forgive a multitude of sins if something looks good. I think that's a Taurus in me. I just like things to look beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I relate to that. I really gave this movie a lot of passes that I absolutely wouldn't if it had the same uh, coloring as uh, its predecessor, whom I try not to think about that one at all. <laughs> My final thought is... I would like a series about Kristen Wiig as the cheetah. Maybe not a redemption arc, just her doing evil things where she kisses lots of ladies. Right. And I mean, again, just just for the kids, a cheetah is not an apex predator. Don't let the movie <laughs> lie to you. Sarah, do you have a final thought? Yeah, my final thought is I need you to give me the stone. Like, <laughs> after watching this movie, before watching this movie... I need you to give me the stone. <laughs> oh, thank you, everybody, for joining us. We are super pumped. We always love talking to Alex and M from the Good, the Bad, the Basic pod. Make sure you go listen to them. They're on all the major platforms. I listen to them on Spotify. But they have amazing, amazing podcast episodes. They have different seasons. There's nine of them right now. They're going to go into their 10th year pretty soon. And each one's themed. I was actually just listening to the True Blood episodes this morning. So, you know, you've got lots of fun stuff to revisit. And sometimes instead of watching a season a second time, I'll just listen to The Good, The Bad, The Basic. And I'm like, oh, got everything I need from that. So, yeah. Thank you for joining us, Alex and M. Y'all are the best. We are always so lucky to have you on the show. We're just so glad you joined us today. Same. We're so happy. Happy to be here. Thank you so much. It's always fun to talk with you guys. Yeah. It's been real, you guys. If you guys want to check us out, we'll be back for season 10 in a few weeks. Talk to you soon. Amazing. Yeah. Thanks, listeners. <laughs> There's Sarah. Yeah. Sarah's yeah. signature. Yeah. To end the episode. We love you, babies. Bye. Bye. We are a podcast that is all about making comic books more accessible to LGBTQ folks and women. So if you have a question about anything related to comics, comic adaptations, pop culture in general, conventions, cosplay, you name it, that's what we're here for. You can send us your questions at bitchesoncomics at gmail.com. Unfortunately, Gmail does not like the word bitch. They're pretty judgy about it. So (laughs) we can't have it spelled out. It is B dot. T-C-H-E-S-O-N-C-O-M-I-C-S at gmail.com. And yeah, remember, there's no I'm bitch. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by rating and reviewing us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Sarah Century, and you can find me at www.sarahcentury.com and Twitter and Instagram. Still Sarah Century on those. I'm S.E. Fleenor. You can learn more about me at sefleenor.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at at S.E. underscore Fleenor. Bitches on Comics is recorded by Kate Warner, who plays in the band Churchfire. You can find them at churchfiremusic.com. Our music is recorded by Katie Taylor, who plays as Earth Control Pill. You can find her music at earthcontrolpill.bandcamp.com. Bitches on Comics is recorded in Denver, Colorado. We want to recognize the indigenous peoples who have inhabited and do inhabit this land. The Arapaho Nation, the Ute Nation, the Cheyenne Nation, and others who have been erased from our history and collective memories through colonization. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. 
and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.